Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. We are going to go around the world today and keep an eye on what's happening that in really affects not only Christians, but also citizens of the United States and worldwide. So much going on, and we do not expect to be able to cover one-tenth of it in an hour. Mm-hmm. But we've got Bill Koenig with us, and uh, we can't wait to uh, hear what he's been learning because uh, he keeps watch, so you don't have to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we should all. Didn't Jesus say, watch everybody? Yes. Watch. Be watchful. Test all things. Test the spirits. Let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for giving us another day. We know that your mercies are new every morning, and your mercy endures forever. And great is your faithfulness, O God. You are sovereign, and you've given us this opportunity to live another day. And we do not take tomorrow for granted. Uh, we often ask you, Lord, to give us wisdom and teach us to number our days that we might, might gain hearts of wisdom. And help us to see things clearly, Lord, uh, through this biblical lens that we look through, through the Word of God, and apply that to what we see in prophecy. And Lord, help us not be overwhelmed, because that's not of you, but help us overcome evil with good. And help us, God, as we uh, continue to look at these things, help us to keep looking up to Jesus because we know our redemption is drawing near. We are getting closer. So encourage our hearts today and help us to keep a balanced perspective with all that's going on. You are not up there surprised or pacing, and we trust you in all things, God. We thank you for allowing us to live in these exciting times, prophetic times, and we just praise praise you and we ask that you bless this conversation today and encourage our our friends who are listening in jesus name amen Amen. well mayor i know you're excited you're chomping at the bit over there so much to get to but i want to bring in uh, bill koenig he's an author and speaker a former white house correspondent he's the publisher of watch.org a news journal with an eye on israel the middle east washington dc and everything in between he became a koenig International News in 1996, and the news service, which now includes Koenig World Watch Daily, has readers and email subscribers in all 50 states, 35 countries around the globe, and we are so thankful. I want to mention a couple books, though. Um, he co-authored the book Israel, The Blessing or the Curse. Also, 2004, he wrote Eye to Eye, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel, which was revised in 2017, now in its 30th Printing and a book we had in, uh, I think 2017, 2016, 2017, we had him on the podcast and we talked about his book, Revealed Obama's Legacy. And he also writes a weekly 20 page news report called Koenig Eye View, focusing on world news that's biblically relevant and, of course, White House news from a Christian perspective. Bill Koenig, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Thank you, David. Great to be with you, Mary. Hey, we're thankful to have you on, and I'm just going to tease our audience with what we're going to get to, hopefully, uh, just by touching on a few headlines. U.S. to send hundreds of armored vehicles, rockets to Ukraine as part of $2.5 billion assistance. Putin ally 
Medvedev warns NATO of nuclear war if Russia is defeated in Ukraine. Germany says, we'll let Poland send tanks to Ukraine. <laughs> Israel, U.S., kick off massive war games and an apparent message to Iran. Uh, deadly skies. The FAA moves medical goalposts for pilots, putting your life at risk. And Kamala Harris omits creator and right to life when quoting the Declaration of Independence in pro-abortion speech. But, Bill, let's start with what's happening with the DOJ um, seizing more classified documents from Joe Biden's Wilmington home after a 12-hour FBI search. And also an interesting headline, Hunter Biden and Joe (laughs) make presidential history as the first father-son duo under separate investigations. We are under the impression that these investigations will go nowhere because uh, liberal Democrats and progressives are not held accountable because of the major double standard over the last several decades. But please uh, explain to us what's going on with this. uh, Really, I don't even want to call it an investigation because you can't use the same word equally when you're talking Trump versus Biden. But clarify that for us, please. Well, I'll tell you what, David, I, uh, when I heard 10 hours, uh, that's even two hours longer than Mar-a-Lago's raid, and I go, wow, hmm. what are they doing here? Are yeah. they trying to squeeze Biden out or push him out as a possible 2024 candidate? And the other thing, too, is the uh, House of Representatives now in the hands of the Republicans with uh, Jim Jordan, uh, the head, uh, the chairman of the Justice uh, Committee, uh, things can happen. And they are bent on some serious investigations into Hunter Biden. Uh, there are some real congressmen there that have just been waiting patiently because they couldn't get any, any uh, a light of day on some of these investigations that were definitely important. Yeah. They have tremendous amount of information from the CIA, the FBI. They have some, but they've requested more. So I think it's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Bidens are going to be under a lot of scrutiny, a tremendous amount of scrutiny. It's uh, sad that it had to wait for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, knowing Jim Jordan, as we all do, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's strong, he's committed. And, uh, and, and then again, David, just thinking 10 hours in the Biden's house. I mean, that's serious. I mean, that's serious. So, um, and it's kind of a, you know, backlash. You know, the, you know, the mainstream media, of course, they make a big deal out of anything having to do with Trump or the Republicans yeah. or the, uh, conservatives. Uh, but, you know, uh, this is something that cannot be avoided. Hmm. Uh, they'll try to sugarcoat it a bit. But at the same time, David, again, uh, they might be trying to push him out. And then what would happen, uh, 97.85% of Democrats will vote for whoever has a D in front of their name. So that won't even matter in terms of elections. But your thoughts on that? No, no, that's so true. You know, there were some rumors uh, back in around June, July last year that uh, for health reasons, Biden was uh, considering uh, stepping down. There's a rumor that he was going to bring Gavin Newsom in as uh, vice president. I mean, Harris would step oh down. Goodness. They worked out an agreement. Uh, they'd bring Newsom in. And then uh, when Biden, uh, you know, decided, you know, it's time to go, then they'd just squeeze uh, Newsom into the president. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe bring Harris back. I don't know what the, the law is in that case. But nonetheless, that was a rumor. So, you know, I, you know, there's been so many questions and so much documentation about his uh, Biden's mental health. Yes. Uh, we've seen so many gaffes, I mean, just serious gaffes. And 
you know, I'm surprised uh, that he's really been able to endure two years. But, of course, he has behind the scenes Ron Kane, Ron Klain, um, um, you know, Barack Obama, mm-hmm. Susan Rice, others that are really yeah. called a lot of shots. So, but nonetheless, uh, I guess the question is, is he going to be able to endure the two years uh, up until the election? He's talked about running again. And uh, I, I don't know, David, what the ultimate plan is. I haven't been in Washington lately. Sometimes I pick things up when I'm there. I will be again in about five, six weeks. But I, uh, there's something to watch very carefully because it sounds like uh, uh, there might be some serious implications. I don't know if it's yeah, – let me put it this way. I don't, I don't – you know, if the, if the House of Representatives impeached him, uh, it takes two-thirds vote in the Senate uh, to agree to an impeachment. And I still think, as you mentioned, a D by the name gets the vote. So I don't know if there's enough courage uh, in the Senate to go with an impeachment. Yeah. But, however, I don't know the significance of the Hunter Biden implications. Mm-hmm. But then again, I mean, I, I, I think once those things come to the surface, will it shame some Democrats into voting in favor of impeachment of Biden? I don't know. That's going to be kind of an interesting thing for us to watch going in mm-hmm. uh, or through the rest of this year. Well, you know what I think, but I'll let Mary chime in on that. I'm, I'm not being skeptical either. I'm just going by past history with this double oh, sure. standard and yeah. this miscarriage of justice. Yeah. And uh, Mary, go ahead. Well, I'm skeptical too because when the media, the the conservative media says scandal, I think, well, that means yeah, different right. things to different people. Exactly. So I don't know what a scandal means. They've been talking about his ratings being absolutely horrible for so long, and yet that hasn't mattered. But, uh, Bill, I want to talk to you just briefly because you mentioned in some notes to us about the elections from November and that you had a take on that. And I guess what uh, – I was curious because you put that in your list. What is your take on the November outcome? Well, Mary, it was so interesting to me because <clears throat> even a couple of weeks, even uh, you know, prior to the election – we had Obama, oh, the, excuse me, the Obamas and the Clintons saying, if there is a major red wave, in, our, in other words, if the, <laughs> if the Republicans had a big victory, this is a sign that our democracy is at risk and possibly the end of democracy. This is what the mainstream media wow. carried. This is what MSNBC, CNN carried. Yep. This was the... The, the language, and then even on the conservative side, many people thought we'd have a <clears throat> another red wave or a, <clears throat> a big red wave, similar to what happens in midterm elections. When you usually the president in their midterm period, their political party, whether it's uh, uh, Clinton or Bush or Obama, and even Trump, they lose a lot of members uh, within Congress, and uh, so. You know, it was uh, the former presidents were setting up the stage at our democracy at risk. The mainstream media was going that direction. And then what was so interesting, on November 4th or so, my weekly re- news report, I thought, we've got a blood-red moon coming on the day of election. And, I, you know, usually the blood-red moon, <laughs> which is a full uh, lunar eclipse that, that shades red, that's usually an omen of bad news or war, was over Washington, D.C. and New York on the day of the election. And I thought, oh, my, we might not be having this red wave. How mm. could this not happen? Everybody was expecting it. Is there going to be electronic manipulation? Have they become stealth in terms of the voting outcome? Have they? But, but that just that heavenly sign, I thought, I don't think we're going to see it. Mm. And I, I wrote of that possibility. Not sure how... 
that would happen, but uh, you know we didn't have it. It's unbelievable, and uh, the Democrats actually pick up a couple in the in the Senate, and uh, you know it was a very modest uh, defeat. Uh, I think this. uh, I think the ultimate was ten, twelve Republican uh, seats picked up to put them into a majority at two twenty two. So that was a surprise, and uh, uh, I think that outcome shocked a lot of people on the mm-hmm. left and on the right. That's right. Um, so, Bill, one thing we want to jump to now um, are some of the great articles and great news stories on your website. Again, friends, you can check out so much more by going to watch.org. Two very interesting stories, one after the other. That Here are the headlines, and I'll let you break this down for us, Bill. Um, the first one, U.S. to send hundreds of armored vehicles, rockets to Ukraine as part of $2.5 billion assistance. And the very next article on your website is Putin ally Medvedev warns NATO of nuclear war if Russia defeated in Ukraine. So it's, is this a threat to us? Why, why is this administration so invested in Ukraine? Can you help us clarify some of that? Well, there is a history with the Bidens and Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Ukraine is, uh, I think, uh, they, you know, let me put it this way first. There's a lot of wonderful Christians that live in the Ukraine. Yes. There's probably 200,000 Jews that live in the Ukraine that are trying to get to Israel. Maybe not all, but they're trying to. And there's some really wonderful people in the Ukraine. It's a breadbasket. It's a very, has some of the most fertile soil in all of Europe, maybe all of the world. It's a very important country, but at the same time, it's been a place where money laundering, uh, Russian oligarchs and others have used Ukraine. Uh, you know, Biden and Clintons have had an interest in the Ukraine, not going into detail today. Uh, the other thing is uh, there's a corruption scandal. Uh, and usually uh, Afghanistan, uh, Somalia, Iraq and the Ukraine are at the top of the list when it comes to corruption. Isn't it interesting that the United States has given more money to Afghanistan, Iraq, and Ukraine than any other countries in the world, I think, uh, well, especially with Afghanistan and Iraq, and, and we're talking about billions of dollars that were given to the Ukraine yep. because we're trying to keep you know, Russia at bay. I think the thing uh, early on in the war last year when it started, the concern was the Democrats and their media are all but trying to provoke Russia to doing something nuclear. It was so obvious. Hmm. You know, if, if it was a Republican president, they'd say, oh, this is an outrage. We shouldn't be That's there. Right. We shouldn't be involved. Exactly. But here we have a Democratic president, and they were all in favor, of, especially the mainstream media and then the cable networks, MSNB, MSNBC and CNN. I'm going, what? This is dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, the social networks in favor of uh, NATO and the United States getting in the middle of this war. And then, um, and then you know, Medvedev, uh, you know, he's more of a moderate voice in Russia, but for him to say those kind of things, and then for NATO and the United States getting even more involved with Ukraine, and it looks like Russia's not had a good war. I mean, the Ukrainian soldiers have fought a very good war and had received incredibly good equipment. And uh, Germany just allowed um, uh, our German tanks are going in through Poland to get to mm-hmm. Ukraine. I mean, this is this is a, without calling it a world war. This is somewhat of a world war. Yes, yes, and uh, yeah. only God knows how this is going to play out. But uh, it's it's very problematic and not exactly sure where things are going. But we're watching this very closely. Yeah. This could be 
spark many other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we need to watch it closely. I was doing some homework on a coup from 2014 uh, in Ukraine that removed a pro-Russian president. And and so the chatter is uh, it was backed by the U.S. It was to set the stage for a... Um, to build up Ukraine for war and to set the stage for a U.S.-Russian war. And they're saying it's just a proxy war. It's the U.S.'s chance to get to get to Russia. I mean, um, I, I'm glad you said that about uh, World War III because that certainly seems to be what's going on. So do you think this is just a proxy war between the U.S. and Russia? Uh, <clears throat> conceptually, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, yes. And I think the other thing is they're they're going to test NATO. Yes. Uh, some people think NATO's a paper tiger. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they could do more, but it's uh, mm. it's getting very interesting. Zelensky is uh, you know treated as a hero at the World Economic Forum in Davos just recently. And what's interesting about Zelensky, the the president of the Ukraine, he was uh, persuaded by Trudeau of Canada, who's a World Economic Forum yep. uh, hero. Uh, he convinced Zelensky that he should run for president of the Ukraine. So. Uh, that was kind of an interesting uh, mm. platform uh, in his relationship with the World Economic Forum and the Davos guys. And, um, you know, he's a very effective uh, communicator. He came to Congress, was treated with red carpet, and uh, was able to speak and given a standing ovation. And, you know, it's like you sit back and just watch this. I mean, what's Russia going to do? Mm. I mean, what's Putin going to do? Uh, but then again, Russia stands up against uh, a lot of things uh that, uh, you know, if, let's say LGBT and a lot of things like that, they, they are very conservative in some social aspects of their country, which is kind of interesting to us. But then again, uh, this is a, you know, there's people that support Putin, and, but at the same time, you look at just the devastation of Ukraine. I mean, it, it, this is a weird war. It's, mm-hmm. uh, there's some underlying... Uh, you know, with a long answer to your question, uh, Mary, um, uh, there's there's more than meets the eye on this mm-hmm. on so many fronts. Yes. And the other thing is, uh, is this a catalytic final day movement mm-hmm. towards the Ezekiel 38 and 39? Because we've seen Russia-Iranian cooperation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, their uh, Iran's providing drones to the Russians. Uh, they've, uh, you know, the Zelensky's called on Israel to do more to help them counter with their defense systems against those drones. So at, at the same time, many facets to this, but we're also seeing uh, a closer relationship between Russia and Iran in this. And then Turkey opposed uh, some of the, you know, uh, Finland and Sweden becoming part of NATO uh, because they're part of, uh, of NATO. Uh, so I, these these chess these these markers in the chessboard are, are uh, very interesting to follow. So this is, it's just really a, a fascinating, especially when you bring in Ezekiel thirty eight yeah, and thirty nine. Yeah, all right, this it's WW three. Yeah. It's just not called that, I guess. Um, let's go over to you mentioned Iran. Um, Israel and U.S. kicked off a massive war games. Um, well, in an apparent message to Iran, the Israel Defense Forces and the U.S. Central Command kicked off large-scale joint exercise in Israel and over the eastern Mediterranean Sea, and the drill was dubbed Juniper Oak 2023. Um, most people have no idea. I didn't. I hadn't heard that Juniper Oak. Most people have no idea this is going on. Um, we can only speculate why, but that's why we bring you on the podcast so you can share with us what your take is on this. Well, David, they're uh, 
excuse me, at some point, uh, Israel has a red line, and I'm, I remember, uh, I think it was 2015 or 2016, when Netanyahu came to Washington and uh, spoke to Congress about the risk of Iran, and I was there, standing ovation, incredible speech. You know, and I think that's a lot of reason that Netanyahu was reelected, is uh, 75, 80% of the Israelis uh, prefer having Netanyahu uh, as prime minister at a time of a great threat with Iran. Hmm. And Iran continues to develop their uh, their missile de- defense, excuse me, their missile, well, yes, their missile defense, which they're getting from Russia, but they're also improving the uh, their rocket and missile uh, uh, trajectory uh, or, or capability. Uh, there's 140 to 150,000 rockets on Israel's northern border right now with Hezbollah, but the big concern is there's 15,000 uh, missiles now, and they're being deployed uh, in Iraq, in Yemen, and other places, and Israel keeps taking them out when they try to bring them into Syria or Lebanon. But um, the, le- the threat level uh, is getting more and more significant. Uh, they have shown films in Iran of uh, devastated Tel Aviv. They've showed targets over Tel Aviv. They've, they've used their intimidation practices uh, in attempt to uh, scare uh, Israelis. But I think at the same time, they're getting further and further and closer and closer to a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, at the same time, just a sidebar just for a second, uh, Israel and the United States and Saudi Saudis are talking about normalization arrangement along the lines of the Abraham Accords. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that the United States and Israel uh, are doing these military maneuvers are telling Iran, don't, don't dare. Uh, don't even think about it. And as we know from being great supporters of Israel, you hit two or three cities, Israel's finished. You know, uh, Haifa, Tel Aviv, and Jerusalem. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, Israel has to be preemptive. And hmm. the question is, and I think this is a great sign of power, but we know the Iranian biblical final day commitment to Ezekiel 38 and 39 are being part of that that group. And I think it's Jeremiah 30. I think it's 49, 35 through 39, talks about Elam, which is modern-day Iran. So we, we discussed the possibility of two wars with Iran. One would be the, the Jeremiah conflict uh, of Elam, and then the other eventually being part of the Ezekiel 38 and 39 coalition. So with all that said, uh, this is huge. Hmm. And one other, one other note here, uh, Foreign Minister, uh, you know, a lot of excitement in Israel that there's going to be a normalization arrangement with Saudi Arabia. But one of the, once again, one of the foreign ministers from Saudi Arabia said, "No deal with Israel unless there's a two-state solution." Mm. So uh, that kind of put some water in excitement mm. uh, over the last couple of weeks. Well, alongside this too is another headline that uh, Israel made a formal request to the U.S. to purchase 25 F-15s, and they actually would have the kind of weapons needed to penetrate the nuke sites in Iran, which are underground, and also this would help counter Hezbollah rockets from Lebanon. So do you think, I, I was watching something last night where the gentleman said, well, will the Biden administration actually approve that? But it seems like with this exercises, the U.S. is certainly... Um, proactively working with Israel. What do you think about that? Are they going to get their F-15s? 
That's what I was confused about, too. It doesn't seem like the Biden administration would want to be an ally right. to Israel. Right. Uh, Mary, that, that was F-15s? Yeah, what that 25 F-15s, yeah. yeah. What's interesting is a couple things here is uh, Israel has a lot of the stealth, our stealth bombers, and I think they're up to 25, 30 now, mm-hmm. and uh, those, those, those planes are amazing. They can get in and out of Iran, not even being noticed. Mm-hmm. That's a significant benefit that, uh, that Israel's uh, been able to obtain over the last few years. I also have a friend, uh, Yoram Edinger, that you're all probably familiar with. Yoram said, you know, the United States' relationship uh, uh, with Israel has been so significant. That F-15, I think he said, I think it was the F-15 or the F-16, Israel provided over 500 ways to improve the F-15. And those planes are, (laughs) I mean, and and also I said, I talked to Yoram about the bunker buster bombs. Yeah, you because know, we give Israel the bunker busting bombs, and the idea is, oh, those won't be able to penetrate Iranian nuclear facilities. And Yoram says, we receive them, we improve them. <laughs> we hack them. <laughs> they have a hack, <laughs> right? Of, yeah, yeah, he kind of <laughs> left it at that. Like, wow. that's okay. That's okay. So between the F-15 and the bunker busting mm-hmm. bomb capability, along with the stealth bombers, Wow. Uh, and uh, along with the many other capacities, uh, EMP, hydrogen, nuclear subs, wow. and the Persian Gulf. Uh, Israel's got a plan. Don't know when it's going to be deployed, but uh, uh, they'll be all right because, as we know, the God of Israel's on their side. But uh, it's sure getting interesting. It is. And it's just so amazing that all we can do is trust the Lord because you don't know what way this is going to go. You don't know when. Things are going to really hit. We just we have no way of knowing that. We're seeing so many different signs and indicators, cultural indicators. I mean, we just don't know. That's what's fascinating about the, all these times. And again, a good reminder to those listening, we just have to surrender this to the Lord. He is sovereign over all this. He is the head of all the nations, right? He's. Uh, I think of Psalm, was it Psalm 2? When uh, they come against the anointed one and God laughs. Um, so, yeah, Bill, we just have to keep trusting him, don't we? Absolutely, absolutely, and it, you know it's uh, it's exciting. You know, I love uh, you know I've been studying prophecy for so so long, and it's exciting because uh, we were seeing the Bible play out as it's written. I mean, the Jewish prophets and Jesus and all of a discourse told us we and then in the Book of Revelation that uh, there would be a time like this at the end, and we have the the privilege and the and the blessing of being able to witness this firsthand. Uh, and I think that's the important thing. Uh, Jesus is coming. Uh, don't uh, don't miss the opportunity to, to point others to the Bible and what it says mm-hmm. about these times. And most important, uh, that their Messiah, Jesus, is their hope and uh, their blessed hope. And uh, an opportunity to share with family, friends, and whoever the Lord puts in front of you about the biblical significance mm-hmm. of this time, pointing everybody to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes, and isn't prophecy, you know, Unique, of course, it is to Christianity because it's the only God who knows the end from the beginning. So be able to share prophecy with people and let them know that this is not found in any other religion. That's right. It's just uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's fascinating. So, Bill, we've got two minutes left in this segment, so rather than open up another topic, we do want to, when we come back from our break, talk about Brazil. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many unknowns there as well, and we've heard stories, we've read certain headlines, and it's... 
some kind of leave you a scratch in your head going, wow, what, what is up with that? It just doesn't seem. So we want to know what the media, to, in your opinion, what the media is reporting compared to what's actually happening and what's really happening with any kind of a rebellion there, any kind of uh, uh, the people, you know, uh, uh, going against the new regime. Um, also, we do want to go back to your well, – actually, this was a different article that we are not hearing a whole lot about, and that is the FAA. They're really – Lowering the goalposts for pilots when it comes to licensing pilots. This has uh, quietly changed uh, this, this criteria. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, too, when we come back. And just what's happening with the injections, uh, the jab, whatever you want to say, how that's affecting more lives and people are just trying to understand why we're not seeing the media report on this. I think we know why. But let, let's go ahead and uh, take the break. I don't want to ask a new question and have, you know, Bill. Okay, Mayor, do you have uh, something you want to get to when we come back? Well, I especially was thinking of uh, exactly what you're saying. Brazil is very interesting. And then China and Taiwan, too. We Yes, we yeah. haven't ta- talked a lot about China. So, yeah, we'll do, we'll do that. Um, re- before we break, I do want to remind you guys, um, Red Pill Prince has been such a blessing to us. They do all of our gear, all of our merch on the website, and we don't handle any of it in-house. I know I've mentioned this every other podcast. I try to remind you. It's been a while since I've really gotten a detail. But we have this small company, this family in Toronto area in Canada. Um, actually, no, that's, that's a different one, but they are in Canada. Um, I was thinking of Harbinger's Daily, but they are putting out our, our gear, and you can go to standupforthetruth.com slash gear, G-E-A-R. That'll go directly to their page on the website that it's dedicated to Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Over two dozen items. I just ordered a, a winter hat and a sweatshirt. Uh, I'm just trying out more, more gear. But thanks, guys. We will come back with Bill Koenig. And we will get to a lot more of these world issues on the podcast next. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest, Bill Koenig, author, speaker, former White House correspondent. Bill, for how many years? 20 years. 20 David. years, my goodness. And, of course, publisher of Watch.org. Uh, Mayor, we need to talk about Brazil because it, I think it's been several weeks since we really mentioned anything of substance and uh, so many stories going on there. Uh, Bill, give us your take on just what's happening over there mm-hmm. that our media either will not report or refuses to report. David, interesting scenario. I've been there three times in the last four months. I was there wow. for the election. Uh, we did a Jerusalem. Yeah, it was really, uh, really interesting being on the ground. You know, you always get a different perspective. And um, we uh, did a Jerusalem prayer breakfast in Brazil. Uh, two days before the election, uh, Mrs. Bolsonaro invited us. Uh, I've been involved with the prayer breakfast in Jerusalem since 2017, and Albert Vexler and Michelle Bachman have a great relationship with the government down there uh, beginning in 2018. So we were there uh, 48 hours before the election, and uh, my my prayer at the prayer breakfast was that, uh, that the Lord would override the attempt uh, to throw the election electronically, because the equipment that was used there, I mean, it was a passion of prayer, you know, the Lord has a purpose in all of this, mm-hmm. but uh, the Smartmatic is equipment that was used in Venezuela. Uh, President Bolsonaro attempted to get rid of that equipment. Uh, the Supreme wow. Court down there, which pretty much calls all the shots, 
nine out of 11 are pro, pro Lula, and uh, there's no check and balance like we have in Washington. And so, um, and then I did some homework on Smartmatic. Uh, Smartmatic uh, is a, um, like Dominion, and, uh, you know, this is this was the equipment used, and uh, they had the election results that night, and I found out late. Well, first of all, uh, Lord Malik Brown, uh, who used to be the head of the board of directors of Smartmatics, is now the chairman of Open Society, George Soros' organization. Wow. And then uh, also uh, one of the members of the Biden transition team is now uh, the chairman of the board of Smartmatic. And uh, we watched that election, and I can, in my spirit, I just sensed there, I don't like what I feel, I don't like what I feel, and hit about 65% in vote count, and right then the algorithms just took off. Wow. And uh, it just even proved that there were some areas that were pro-Bolsonaro that he got no votes, and Lula got all of them. And, uh, you know, this thing, it's, it's so obvious. It's so obvious what happened. And, you know, and what they've done now, uh, they've tempted, and like what they even are tempted to do in Arizona, is anybody with Kerry Lake, anybody that questions the integrity of an election should be held accountable. So there's the threats of suit against Bolsonaro, his sons, and other men, ministers within his party, political party. And this is this is the new wave of the globalists that if you question the integrity wow. of election, you should be publicly held accountable. And that's the pattern that we're seeing. And I understand that's kind of what's happening in Arizona right now, too. And this is the agenda. But what, what was also problematic is the United States was really involved in the election down there, uh, August of 2021. Uh, Sullivan, the national security advisor, went to Brazil to make a big deal out. The United States wanted to make sure that the election had integrity, was election of integrity, that the president, Bolsonaro, would not question the integrity. Then uh, Biden met with uh, Bolsonaro in uh, Los Angeles early last year to say the same thing. We want, you should not speak against the integrity. We had State Department officials and even the head of the CIA one month before the election, down there publicly saying, we're here to make sure that there will be election integrity. It's unbelievable what hmm. we saw. Wow. And, uh, and then I saw it firsthand. So I've uh, been down there a couple times. The Brazilian people are wonderful people. The many evangelical Christians there, they're very pro-Israel. And uh, this has been a devastating election. And what we saw on January 8th at the presidential palace is almost a mirror of what we saw January mm-hmm. 6th. Mm-hmm in washington dc the security mm-hmm. they basically just threw the doors open wow uh, and uh the, the pro bolsonaro people are very passionate down there but we we believe that there was instigators yeah. mm-hmm. uh yes. provocateurs yeah that stirred it up because uh, yeah. up until the inauguration of january 1 there was no uh you know it was it was normal protest it was not violent protest it was not destructive protest. It was just normal protest. But Jan, Jan 8 was like our Jan 6, and, mm-hmm. and we're watching that carefully from this point forward. So it, it just, it, it's just amazing. Uh, I'll frame it this way. The, 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 most, the strongest economy in the world, the United States, and Brazil, the 12th strongest economy in the world, have seen a globalist uh, agenda perpetrated, and I, I question the election integrity. 
that we have in our country and even even in Brazil and other countries of the world. This just empowers other countries to do the same. So Brazil exactly. Brazil took a page out of the globalist left yep. playbook in America. We did a podcast on September 30th called Lurching to the yeah. Left and that was that was our conclusion that you know Brazil also being the biggest economy down there uh, and there's so much at stake down there, and I think Bolsonaro was afraid of this actually happening. I think he sensed that, hmm. things that I read about him. But don't you think that this is part of just the lurching to the left of the entire world to bring us into this? Oh, ab- absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Brazil is so significant and so important mm-hmm. to uh, South America and in, in the world. I yeah. mean, this is the 12th largest economy in the world. It's substantial. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some people say, as goes Brazil, as goes South America. Yep. Wow. And, uh, and a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize Brazil is enormous. It is 10% larger than the 48 US, uh, you know, states, 48 uh, continental states. Wow. wow. Uh, it's enormous. And incre- I mean, we're talking 26 world leaders came for the Lula inauguration. The number two guy in China was there. He was a big part of it. When Bolsonaro was inaugurated, I think only uh, Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu from Israel was there, as far as a high-level political figure. Hmm. Uh, Lula was treated as a hero of the state during a climate control conference uh, in uh, in uh, Egypt, uh, Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. So this the, the international community had a lot riding on the outcome of the twenty. 21 election uh, in Brazil. And uh, so, and I remember with Sidney Powell, right after our, our November 2020 election, she said the globalists have trillions of dollars riding on the outcome of our election in the United States. And they would not allow, do everything they could in their power to keep Trump from being reelected. And I say, I see the same thing with Bolsonaro. In uh, in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Okay, can we briefly um, talk about this article and then go wherever this conversation takes us regarding the um, COVID vaccines? Um, the FAA, the body responsible for licensing pilots, has quietly changed criteria for measuring heart damage in pilots. And I'll just read from this article. It says it's it's one thing for a professional athlete to collapse on the sports field, as so many have been um, since the rollout of the vaccines. But it's something entirely different for a pilot while flying a plane with the lives of hundreds of passengers in the balance. So it appears that the FAA has changed the criteria for measuring heart damage in pilots. Here's what happened, and I'll get your response, Bill, and what you can share with us. Until last October, pilots were required to pass stringent health tests, and they were required to have EKG readings between 0.12 and 0.2. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I'm guessing they had the EKG on there, measuring it to to a certain standard and requiring that of their pilots. But since October 26th, the FAA um, has changed this requirement, and there's a journalist named Steve Kirsch who said this this was on uh, Tucker Carlson's program. This is a tacit administration from the U.S. government that the COVID vaccine has damaged the hearts of our pilots, not just a few pilots. A lot of pilots and a lot of damage, he wrote. So 
And, and the article goes on. It's kind of lengthy. Gets into some of the details. But Bill, what have you heard? Any? I mean, you do a lot of flying. <laughs> have you heard anything about this? Are you concerned about this? Is there anything that we need to be aware of here? David, I've been on. Uh, I've been on this since February twenty twenty. Hmm. I've been on monthly Zoom calls with Doctor McCullough, hmm. Doctor Malone, uh, you know Mikovitz and uh, uh, Dr. Carla Dean Graves. These are her calls, these Zoom calls. Dr. Urso and many others. So I've been on top of this. And there is a great concern. Uh, Dr. McCullough is a great voice. Uh, Steve Kirsch has done a tremendous job. Here's a very wealthy Silicon Valley uh, executive that has taken this on for the last 12 months. Hmm. He did a big rally. Uh, in Washington, D.C. last year with, with McCullough and Malone and others. Uh, you know, Senator Johnson from Wisconsin, thank yep. God for him, yes. your senator. He has thank had you. hearings on this. He's brought the top people in. And, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, the many hearings he's had, he's worked really, really closely with Dr. McCullough, and, and there's hardly any coverage. It's unbelievable. The mainstream media doesn't even go there. And so the, the big concern is Dr. McCullough, as, as being a doctor, a heart doctor, a cardiologist, a well-recognized, uh, highly published cardiologist, is the concern about the, the blood clotting. Mm. And uh, Dr. Ryan Cole from, uh, you can put Dr. Ryan Cole, he's a pathologist, he was Mayo Clinic trained. Uh, they, they are seeing, uh, you know, in some of the, People that have died of this, uh, a very serious clotting issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. And for the FAA to compromise with these readings because a lot of the airlines forced their pilots. I think 80, 90% of our pilots ended up getting the jab. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing about the jabs is the boosters. Uh, right. I don't know about the booster, but fortunately there's not pressure on them now. But there is. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing is watch when someone dies sudden, sudden. It's the sudden adult syndrome. Yeah, that's also so associated with it. So you know, with the, you know the uh, the uh, Hamlin with the Buffalo Bills, yes, uh, you know, got hit the other night. Doctor McCullough had a couple perspectives on on that uh, on the weak on on the the heart weakening the myocarditis or pericarditis from the sh- from the shots. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a long answer to your question, David. No, but it's the good. Fact is, this is a, this is a, a, a alarming compromise, and uh, they're even talking about. So there's a there's even talking about moving the pilots' uh, retirement age from 65 to 67 because of the airline pilot shortage. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm amazed. I mean, we our side, the conservative side, just wants the truth. Mainstream media controls most of the media, which is very liberal. They, they this is not out there. You have to go to your conservative news sources even to find these kind of things, or at least read into those kind of articles. Um, I want to add one more thing that Steve Kirsch reported uh, as far as the FAA lowering this requirement. He said, I believe it's because they knew if they kept the original range, too many pilots would have to be grounded. And, Bill, I just want to follow up on what you're saying, primarily because the media does not report on this. We have had little or no reports on the number of pilots who have collapsed while flying passenger planes. Three examples, and then I'll let you respond, and Mary has something to say about this as well. November 22nd, Gulf Air Flight uh, to Paris, uh, forced to make an emergency landing. The pilot was declared dead. A newly hired American Eagle pilot, Captain Patrick Ford, died on a Chicago to Columbus flight November 25th. American Airlines, Captain Bob Shaw, went into Bob Snow, 
went into cardiac crisis when heart arrhythmia, with heart arrhythmia on his approach to the Dallas airport. And Bill, we're not hearing any of this. And with this, with the athletes collapsing, with all these other issues that were, we've never seen this in our history. So people are saying, could this be a coincidence, the timing of all this? Just your thoughts on just the gaslighting of the left, of the globalists, and of the media on this. Well, it's uh, it's alarming, and especially when you're hearing former Pfizer execs uh, that have uh, you know talked about the danger of the Japs, uh, especially the mRNA. I think the Pfizer and the Moderna; those are the ones. I mean, Doctor Malone, uh, who's many people call the father of the mRNA mm-hmm. uh, technology. Yes, uh, our science. Uh, he he had a jab, and he almost had. A, I mean, he almost died, and uh, uh, he had the Moderna da- jab. And I don't know if it was the first or second one, but he, he he was close to death. And then after this happened to him, then he became a, a public a spokesperson against the jabs, and especially the mRNA. Some people taking the AstraZeneca and the Johnson Johnson, but there have been some clotting issues, but not as serious as the mRNA. I think that's what's very problematic. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the type of thing, you know, here's the other thing. Pfizer and Moderna is still under emergency use authorization because that gives them liability right. covering. Yeah. So, you know, if these were so fabulous, why have they not been formally approved? That's right. But they still have liability, and there's going to mm. be potential criminal cases. Oh, uh, people are be. looking at the 55,000 pages of Pfizer docs that have been filed and others. So they they can still be held criminally, but at the same time, why? I mean, they're un, they're still under emergency use authorization yeah. after almost you know over two years. So uh, this is very problematic. And the mainstream media they're in lockstep with the, the globalists, the agenda, the Bill Gates, all the people, the Fauci's that have been in, totally in favor of this. And it's so interesting is the Democrats were very compliant. They took their shots. Were very pro mask. And the conservatives, we said, wait a second, let's look at the science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we have, and we don't like what we've seen. Yeah, there's a video out there, too, of the CEO of Pfizer at Davos and some uh, young conservatives. Oh, Rebel News. Yeah, Rebel News, yeah. that's it. And they're trying to get him to say something. And, oh, it's cringeworthy uh, yeah. if you get a chance to watch that. But I was interested, a side note about Ron Johnson um, and how the, the liberals – really did everything within their power to keep him out. And uh, we knew why at the time, but it's interesting to hear what you say and to recall what they tried to do to Ron Johnson. And, you know, God bless him for doing what he's doing. I wasn't aware that he was doing all of that at this point, but that's very good to know. Oh, Mary, I mean, if you went in Senator Johnson, uh, uh, COVID panels, oh, my gosh, he's Mm -hmm. had three or four extensive Mm-hmm. Uh, testimonies on Capitol Hill for the last two and a half years. I mean, all the way back to the end of 2020. Wow. And he's brought the he's brought the best in. I mean, these anywhere anywhere from two to five hour uh, events. And uh, if you want an education, anybody want an education on the jabs uh, and the risk of the jabs, mm-hmm. uh, just Google Senator Johnson COVID panel and COVID uh, hearings. And uh, thank God for Senator Johnson. He's been a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in Washington because of what he's done to expose it. And he works with the best, McCullough and Malone, Alexander, Urso, Cole. These are top-shelf doctors who've been under tremendous pressure themselves mm-hmm. from their own medical community. No doubt. But mm-hmm. they, uh, they've seen the results, and they're not going to back down. And I think most of them, if not all of them, are Christians. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Bill, you've been a White House correspondent. You are a true journalist, and um, we so value people that are willing to tell the inconvenient truths to the people. And we have had so much, we've been so disillusioned by the media in America for decades now. And you can go to Newsbusters, you can go to Media Research Center and some of these other places. Even Cheryl Atkinson has done some good work on this, comparing the left and the right and the reporting. And and um, there's, there's just such a travesty of justice and a misreporting. And they label one side as misinformation. And I just want to hear your your heart on this. This is your profession, and this is what you've done. And you just to see people in your profession that are just really, you know, carrying water for the left and really complicit in covering up some of these things that affect American citizens. It must be disturbing to you, uh, to some, probably to a greater degree than maybe some of us. Yeah, it's, it was something for 20 years, David, being there and, uh, you know, listening to the same White House press conferences and press briefings uh, that others did. And, you know, and I said, no, that's not what was said. That's mm-hmm. not what they <laughs> meant. And, you know, and I this was interesting. One day, this uh, new White House correspondent, a really nice young Jewish kid, uh, was just starting with uh, Newsweek. And I, I said, Daniel, you'll notice here that the friendlier, the more conservative, the meaner, the more liberal. And, and it was, and I said, you'll, you'll watch this. The Fox guys, the conservatives were the nicest people in the press room and the meanest, meanest, most liberal, most, uh, uh, salacious were extreme liberals Hmm. and Democrat and very pro Democrats. And I, you know, and I think also, especially during Trump's time in office, I think Isaiah 520 was one of the, yes. the scriptures that really, you know, woe to those that call evil good and good evil. And, you know, we have all these world issues with Russia and China and Taiwan, uh, you know, Iran, and but they're obsessed with LGBT and same-sex marriage and all these, uh, you know, the woke, the woke media, the, the woke uh, agenda Black Lives Matter, uh, all the, this, this obsession with things that don't count, mm-hmm. that are all part of an agenda. And uh, it, it was amazing to see the distinctive difference. And the White House media hates conservative presidents. They hated even Ronald Reagan they didn't like. And then George Bush's father and George Bush, oh, my gosh, they won every day they were after him on, on Iraq mm-hmm. and Afghanistan and other things. Yeah. And then Trump. Trump took them on. Yep. So uh, if you're a Democratic president, you get a free ride for the most part. Yes. If you're a conservative Republican president, you're a target. So that's what I watched, and it's perplexing, but that's just the way it is. Eighty to ninety percent of our mainstream national media is so pro-Democrat, yep. so pro-liberal, mm-hmm. and so pro-progressive. Mm-hmm. I hope people understand that, that they really need to find other sources, such as Watch.org, Go to StandUpForTheTruth.com. We've got a page of over 200 resources, and Watch.org is on there. Bill Koenig's site, Mayor? Yeah. You hit the nail on the head when you you said that uh, the liberals are always, forever, pushing things that just really don't matter. They want to remake the culture in their own image. And meanwhile, look over here, look over here, because of the things that they're pushing, which are so wicked and evil. It's smoke just screens. Smoke screens yeah. constantly, false flags, everything you can think of. But I, I want to ask you, Bill, you know, 
uh, switching gears a little bit, is there anything new on uh, China and Taiwan? Any more buildup in that area? We've kind of been watching that, waiting for a shoe to drop, I guess you could say. Anything new in that area? Yeah, I've watched it uh, uh, somewhat uh, on and off, uh, Mary, and I think uh, I, I think this is a good way to frame it. I talked to a guy that I know, he's Chinese-American. He grew up in China. He worked for Goldman Sachs uh, in, in uh, New York City, and I said, uh, uh, Jing, uh, what, what's going to happen with China and Taiwan uh, in the concept of the Sun Tzu Art of War thinking? He says, if the international community puts greater pressure on China, or, or let me put it this way, if, if the international community stands strong with Taiwan, which puts pressure in China, China will go to war quickly or soon, probably before Biden leaves office. But if they don't make a big deal out of Taiwan, over the next five to seven years, they'll continue to penetrate that uh, Taiwan uh, with inside, and they'll have, have uh, a more peaceful takeover over Taiwan. But it's going in that direction like a Hong Kong, but a different different strategy. So I think that's really it. If the international community really stands strong and supports Taiwan, China's going to be what they consider forced to make a, a military move. Wow. And they continue to send planes into their airspace and try to intimidate them. So yeah. I think that's where we're going uh, if we back off or don't do anything more to support Taiwan, then gradually, five to seven, we'll see China gain control. Interesting. It's interesting just that we only have a minute and a half left in the podcast, Bill, but it's just interesting what we're seeing as far as the surveillance over there and what they're doing with uh, digital currency and, and how they are really kind of – well, they are controlling their citizens, and we're seeing – Little shades of that coming to the United States, and we're you know twenty five fifty years ago we said it could never happen in America, right? But here we are with things changing ever so quickly. Uh, final thoughts, Bill, to just uh, encourage believers that are listening to just uh, understand the times and discern, but not be overwhelmed with all these all the world news and what's happening around us. Well, thanks, David and Mary. Uh, again, I think that you know we're blessed to be living in the most significant time of biblical history. Uh, the time clock is Jerusalem and the state of Israel. Uh, many things are aligning. Uh, just keep, you know, spending time in the Word, keep praying, mm-hmm. keep uh, attending Amen. church, uh, just keep, you know, filling yourself with the good news every day. And, and they did, really. At the, and, and also, uh, it is a blessing. We are watching the Bible play out right before eyes. What an exciting yeah. time to be alive. Amen. Yeah. We look for the blessed hope and the Lord's return, and, and hopefully it'll be soon. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your work and for taking the time today, brother. Thanks, Bill. Uh, Bill Koenig, World Watch Daily. God bless you and keep you safe. Thank you all. God bless. All right, guys. Uh, so tomorrow we have a new podcast with Jay Warner. Wallace, Cold Case Christianity, uh, his recent book about a year ago, Person of Interest. We had him on about a year ago when we, the book was just released, and we talked a little bit more about that. Well, you can hear that tomorrow. Also, Pastor Tim Stevens from uh, Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary in Canada. He was arrested several times for keeping his church open, holding church services, uh, going against the Canadian government and Emperor Trudeau. We've got Tim Stevens back with us on Thursday. Pastor Paul Blair of Liberty Pastors down in, well, he's in Oklahoma, 
But uh, you can tune in for that podcast on Friday. And so much more. We're just excited about some of the guests we've got coming on even in February. But uh, we've got to let you go for now. Uh, remember, if you ever uh, are listening on the radio and something happens, you can listen on the app or online at q90fm.com. Thank you, guys. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.